All right, we're here. We're back. Peoria, Illinois, River City. What's good? I'm Mark Supreme. I'm Chris Kiergaard. And welcome to State of Peoria, the post-election edition brought to you by State Farm Agent Aaron Kilgore, located at 3805 North Sterling Avenue, where he specializes in car insurance, home insurance, and life insurance, and of course, investments too. He's the best in the business, and you can make him work for you by calling 309-685-7111. This is our seventh installment of the collaboration between Strictly Hip Hop and PJ Star, and it's all about politics and it's all about the P. And yes, we are past the city primary. We're into the general election and down to the, the last couple of weeks before voters get out and make their final decisions on April 6th. We have joining us tonight two candidates, two candidates for the price of one tonight, and yeah. both both candidates running for the 5th District City Council seat, incumbent councilman Dennis Sear, seeking re-election to a second term on the council, and challenger Ryan Height. Thank you both for being with us tonight, guys. Good evening, Gavin. How are you guys doing? We, we, we thank you guys for being here. Uh, real quick, interesting, interesting enough for you two, last night was election night for essentially everybody but you guys. Um <laughs> How did last night go? What was that like? You guys got to sit back and chill out. Um, what, what was last night for you guys unlike anybody else? Councilman, go ahead. Oh, it, it was uh, it was a good evening. Obviously, uh, I was a little disappointed by the, the the turnout, the voting turnout. But I think it was was not as as good as I, I anticipated. Uh, but you know, people from Peoria have spoken, and uh, now we got to move forward. And now uh, we're we're starting our uh, own race uh, until uh, April the sixth. Yeah, I I would have thought. I mean, I know I, I've heard that the you know our municipal turnout is is notably low, but with five mayoral candidates uh, and some other write-ins, I thought that the the voter turnout would be a lot higher than it was. So that was surprising. Um, and I you know I had people texting me at the end of the day and, you know, hey, wish you well. And and uh, this whole process is a, a constant education on, you know, the primary versus the general and, you know, early voting. That'll be a different education process here coming up in the next few weeks. So it, it was it was nice to not have to worry about last night. And real quick, before we delve into you guys respective platforms, um, I'm glad you guys brought that up because I mentioned it yesterday when I went live and talked to a couple of people. Just from you guys' perspective, what can we do? And you, you mentioned a little bit, uh, Brian, uh, with regard to education, but what do you guys need, think needs to be done as far as getting the rest of the community involved? I think I looked at the numbers yesterday and I think it was like 16,000 out of the registered, 78,000 came out or somewhere along those lines, 50,000 people stayed home. What what needs to be done and what can we do from a community perspective in you guys' uh, view? Well, I believe it's all about communication. Uh, there's not a lot we can do, but we need to communicate better with our, our, our friends and, and, and uh, neighbors. The fact, I, I know I got a lot of phone calls and texts yesterday. People uh, thought that uh, that I was on, on the, the ballot, and uh, I had to uh, tell people again that, you know, our race starts uh, today, and, and uh it goes until April 6th. So it, it's just a matter of really getting the information out. I think a lot of people uh, just don't have all the information and they don't know where to go vote a lot of times. So we need to do a better job at, at getting people involved and, and getting the information out so people can be heard and can, can participate. Well, let's get the information out. I'm going to stick with you, Councilman. For the people that are watching that may live in the 5th District and not sure about what's going on politically but want to get engaged at this moment, who is Dennis and what are you looking to bring to the 5th District in your second term if reelected? Well, thank you for the question. And again, thanks for having us tonight. Uh, a little bit about myself. I'm originally from Montreal, Canada. Uh, I was uh, raised uh, in a family of four boys and uh, we were a lower to middle class family. And uh, I was lucky enough to, uh, to get drafted in the 80s. I was the first round pick for the Calgary Flames. So uh, I played uh, professional hockey for about seven years, and that's what got me to Peoria. And in 1985, I met my wife. My wife, Jeannie, is from Metamora, and we got married in 87. So I've been married for about 33 years now. And we have two uh, beautiful uh, young ladies. One is 20 years old, uh, going to college, University of Tennessee in Knoxville. And my youngest one's 16, and she's uh, a sophomore. Uh, Dunlap High School. And uh, I've been a financial advisor for 25 years. 
and uh, I uh, spend my life in the same house where I'm at right now. I, I, uh, I uh, invested in, uh, in Peoria. Uh, I invest in the fifth district. I, I, uh, uh, my, my kids go to school here. Uh, I go to work in the fifth district and uh, I'm, I'm totally in for, for the fifth district and I'm the president of my uh, homeowner association. So, and now, uh, and I got four years behind me. I'm the incumbent. I've served for four years and I'm looking forward to serving every term. Definitely. And Ryan, you are the challenger wanting to bring something new to the fifth district. Who is Ryan? So I grew up uh, about two hours south of here, small town, Macon, Illinois. Uh, I always tell people it's, it's kind of how Brimfield is to Peoria, is how Macon is to Decatur. Um, so it's a smaller school, mostly rural, but a few you know, subdivisions that catch the, you know, the larger city. Um, I, after college, I got a job with an insurance company, and that's what brought me to Peoria. They gave me a, two choices. I could go to Mount Vernon, Illinois, or Peoria. And uh, I had driven past Mount Vernon, but I had attended uh, my first concert outside of Decatur, Steve Miller Band at the Civic Center here. And uh, in my mind, Peoria was a lot of fun and had a lot of things going for it. So I chose Peoria, uh, met my wife who grew up here, and uh, she was a Richwoods grad and um, got married. And I've, you know, I've moved on from an insurance company. I've been an insurance agent for the last... 12 years and um, we have two kids. We live in the fifth district. We lived in the fifth district, I think for almost 13 years, uh, a couple different homes and we love it here. We love to raise our kids here. We think there's a lot of um, amenities that Peoria has to have a career, to raise a family and um, being in the fifth district, why I want to run and um, what I feel like I can bring to the fifth is to be um, to be a unifier within our city on the council across our area. I've been involved in the insurance industry, our trade association, statewide trade association. I've been chairman of the board and president of that. Uh, that experience has um, given me the opportunity to uh, speak with legislators, educate folks from outside the insurance industry. It's a state regulated industry. And so I've been able to talk to a lot of different people, uh, brought people from different positions to the table, helped negotiate um, different policies, suggestions, um, and changes. And I feel like I can do that in the fifth. And I feel like one of the things that we need to do is bring our communication methods into a modern era. People are busy. Uh, we have families, we have activities, we have jobs, and uh, we don't have a lot of time to you know, seek out to show up physically in places to learn about issues. And so we need to rethink how we communicate to people in the district. And so I, I want to bring that to the modern era, maybe develop a podcast, um, do some YouTube, um, set up meetings where, you know, if we're bringing, we're talking about a specific issue, bring in people from multiple sides of that issue to help educate our constituents and the taxpayers. And I feel like when people are more engaged, we're going to get more ideas from folks and maybe ultimately, you know, that will help us drive up voter turnout in the long run. Okay, good. good. Uh, thank you for that. I, uh, I'm going to kick it over to Chris here in a second, but I, I want to kind of open up and get into it with um, a thought that I had coming from other people, um, different conversations that I've had. And I'm just going to be frank. Do you guys feel like anybody cares about the 5th District? When I ask that, I mean, the main stories, the storyline in politics in Pure in recent months has been Mayor, District 1. Um, I remember a time I was in high school, I'm kind of dating myself, but 5th District was it. You guys were getting all, when I say you guys, you know 5th District, but 5th District was getting the, uh, you know, the rave movie theater. The new mall was coming up and like a lot of building was going on. And it seems like as of late, that folks in that, that rapid buildup has slight migrated to the warehouse district or that attention is focused on the, on the warehouse district a little bit more. Um, do, do you guys feel like the fifth district is kind of getting lost in the shuffle with the importance of, uh, in the, in the light that's been put on district one? Who do you want to go first, Mark? Uh, you can go ahead, Councilman. Uh, well, that's a great question, Mark, but, you know, I've been uh, in the job for four years now. I've been a very reliable and proven leader for my constituent. 
uh, all my neighbors and uh, my friends, I'm telling you, it's important for them what's going on in the fifth district. And you have to be very responsive, uh, responsive to, to uh, your, uh, your friends and your neighbors. And uh, now, the last four years, I, I, I've received thousands of phone calls, emails, and text messages with people reaching out to me with some uh, some problems, okay, or, or some concerns. So it is very important. I don't care what they are, but the, the concerns are very important individually to, our, to my friends and neighbors in the 5th District, and it's important that you get back to them. And I think I've, I've proven... Uh, I've proven that uh, I'm a good, uh, reliable leader, and that uh, I've re that was one of my main uh, promise four years ago is communication with uh, my constituent. And I think I've done that very, very well through uh, uh, coffee with your councilmen, uh, returning a hundred percent, excuse me, hundred percent of phone calls, or text messages, or emails. I mean, if you contact me with some type of uh, concern, you got a return. Uh, a contact from me, and I think that's very, very important to 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 the people of the fifth district. And uh, and I was able to deliver that. Uh, it's a promise that I made, and the promise that I delivered over the last four years. But what do you feel like is the problem in the fifth district when you when when people think fifth district? I don't think in general people think crime. People don't necessarily think poverty. People don't necessarily think unemployment. So when you mention problems in the fifth district or issues that need to be tended to, what what do you mean by that? Well, obviously, the number one concern for people in the 5th District is, is roads, roads and roads. That's the number one concern. When people pay very high property taxes and very high fees, they want better roads. That's number one. Uh, number two, uh, they want to be safe. Like everybody else, I don't care if you're in the 1st district, district or the 5th District, people want to feel safe in their home. So uh, public safe, safety is uh, very important. And the third thing is very important in the 5th District is taxes, property taxes. People are sick and tired of, of uh, having you know, very high property taxes. We've got big homes uh, and big property tax bill in the fifth district and, and high fees and, and people are, are sick and tired of it. When you say people you know that we, we're not on the radar, I mean, people are leaving uh, uh, the city of Peoria as fast as they're leaving the state of Illinois. And uh, so they want to they be heard and uh, they, they work hard for their dollars and they want to keep those dollars at home as possible. And I'll kick it over to you, Ryan, before we go over to Chris. Uh, in your view, is the fifth district kind of looked over when it comes to the immediate ten, uh, the the immediate uh, PR's immediacy in tending to the fifth district when it when when you think about the first district and even the second and just the leadership in general. I, I mean, I think you, cut off, you cut off a little bit. I'm there. I didn't hear the question. Oh, I'm sorry. And I just said uh, kind kind of the same thing I said to you, Councilman uh, Ryan. I'm asking when it comes to the fifth district. Again, the perception of fifth district is. Kind of what Councilman mentioned, big homes, uh, good jobs, uh, generally safe, next to shops and things like that. And it seems like there's nothing really on fire in the 5th District compared to when you think about Districts 1 or even 3 over in the East Bluff when you think about certain things. Do you think the city uh, the, the city is slight looking over at District 5 when it comes to um, uh, just tending to the to the district in general because it's kind of viewed as being okay, they don't have any problems over there. I, I think your question is fair. Um, maybe from a, a media coverage perspective, the 5th District hasn't got a lot of attention here recently. Um, I would attribute a lot of that towards, you know, we didn't have a primary race. And so there were multiple candidates across the different districts and the mayor. And so uh, a lot of attention was focused on those because of the, the immediacy of the primary. And so I do feel like we haven't had an opportunity to speak much about the fifth district and, and what's going on there. Um, but the fifth district is a huge economic driver for our city. Uh, we have a lot of residents and just like Dennis mentioned, I mean, it's, they have, they have concerns, they call in and they expect, you know, they, they pay some of the highest taxes in the city and they expect core city services um, and, in exchange for that. I'm going to kick it over to Chris, but if you're watching, appreciate you guys tuning in to State of Peoria. If you guys have any questions for uh, Councilman Sear or uh, Mr. Height, please drop them in the comments and we'll get to them. All right. Uh, let, let's get into it and, and talk about uh, some of those other issues within the 5th the District. Uh, and, and I want to 
ask this first to Councilman Sear and then uh, then get a response from you, Ryan, as well. Uh, Dennis, I, I think that, uh, that one of the issues that's been most controversial over the, the past year has been uh, the budgetary votes that the, the city faced that included discussion of, of closing two fire stations, one in South Peoria and one in far North Peoria. Uh, you voted on that and then Two weeks later, you decided to, to change your vote, and at, at the time, you framed that, that decision to reverse yourself as a question of reducing services over in, increasing taxes on residents. Uh, and, and please feel free to, to expand a little bit on, on the reason behind that decision, but part of what I also want to know is, is this. It's a problem space that we seem to be in every year with the budget, with, with spending too much, with, with having to reduce some service or other in order to bring the budget into balance. So really I wanna know what is the long-term solution that you have to this? So, you know, is our spending on, on fire and rescue adequately calibrated or is it just out of whack? Well, Chris, it's a great question. Number one, let's talk about the budget. I mean, before COVID-19, we had a, a balanced budget for two years and everybody was happy about the budget and there was no cuts anywhere and, and, and things were great. And all of a sudden COVID-19 happened. Uh, we have a $54 million hole. Uh, we refinanced uh, some of our debt and made some cuts uh, at the, uh, at the uh, CIP budget. And then uh, finally we got it now, we had to, a hole that we had to plug was like $34 million and, and we got it done making very hard decision. Uh, so I, no, everybody knows that COVID-19 really threw a wrench in every city around this country. Uh, it's going through some very difficult times right now. Now, as far as the, uh, the fire station 20, uh, no, my vote was a very difficult vote, but if you go back to that night, uh, I made the motion to close two engines. Well, what does that mean? Well, a couple of things happened uh, by, by taking that vote. Number one, to help balance the budget for the city. Number two, really the vote was to not raise property taxes, which is one of the most important things for my constituent in the fifth district. I mean, I never want to apologize to my constituent for, for not raising property taxes. And the third thing that happened is my, my station never closed because during my motion, I was very clear that so I will work with my uh, colleagues around the horseshoe and the fire chief to make sure that station 20 would not close. And guess what? Station closed, Station 20 never closed for one second. And two weeks ago, I got a great news. I've been working for, for uh, three years now with AMT, and they finally decided to open a, a third home in the fifth district, kind of a increase, increase in public safety for, for, for my whole district. So it was a very difficult vote to take, but at the end of the day, uh, what happened was great for the fifth district. All right, Ryan, you have a, a response either on on the, the issue of the, the specific vote on the closure or the broader question of, of whether the way we, we fund public safety needs to be looked at again? Uh, I, it, I, I don't know the exact year, but it seems like it's been decades since we last evaluated um, our core city services and the growth, the development of our city. And so the fifth district from a geographic area is very large and, and has experienced most growth geographically over that time period. Um, and I don't know that our core city services have followed suit. So I think there needs to be um, you know, some research done on where, you know, whether it's a fire station, police station, um, water, sewer services, you know, how all that works in the growth of our city. What has happened over the last 10 years dealing with population decline um, and then look for a vision in the future of, you know, what, what are we wanting to do? And uh, kind of going back to, to Marcus's point about the, you know, development kind of a more focused downtown where the you know, development hasn't happened back in the fifth in the last few years. Um, so I think we need to take a look at that. One of the biggest issues, specifically with the fire station, um, it seemed pretty clear to most constituents that night that the vote was about including Station 20 closing. Um, I know there was a petition circulated that almost 5,000 people signed 
opposing that decision. Um, and from my point of view, as an insurance agent, um, I have, when I fill out a homeowner's application, I have to put down how close is somebody's house to a fire hydrant and how close is the nearest fire station. And if station 20 closed down, the people in the furthest north part of the 5th district would be more than five miles away from the nearest fire station. And that is uh, unacceptable from a service standpoint and talking about people angry about having high property taxes this would also increase their insurance rates uh, as soon as insurance companies heard that the fire stations were no longer within a five mile radius. So, you know, that's additional concerns from uh, folks that I've heard about and then even just within my own profession. Okay. And any, any other response from, from either of you to that, uh, Dennis, any? I'm just happy, like I said, I, I know that uh, uh, I fought for my station for eight months. And at the end of the fight, you know, the, the station is still open today. And uh, it's, we have the budget, it's in the budget to stay open the whole year. And then uh, I'm sure it's gonna be another fight, like you said, Chris, in the, in the fall for the next budget. But uh, my station stayed open and that's just a fact. That's the bottom line. I fought for eight months for it and, and the job is done. And I'm glad now to increase uh, uh, a safety in my district with uh, AMT uh, having a home now in the fifth district. Anything else to, to say on the subject? I I mean I've obviously not was not involved, uh, but my understanding that the station twenty stayed open was because the fire the union agreed to settle a lawsuit with the city, and they put that up as their concession uh, in negotiating. Okay. That's true. And that saved the taxpayer $500,000. Okay. And let me stay on public safety for, for another another couple of moments here because, you know, this, the same time they're voting on, on which you will serve in the, the fifth district seat, voters also have a, an option, an opportunity to weigh in in a non-binding way on how the city should cover its police and fire pensions going forward. With with that on the ballot and the public safety pension fee coming up on its expiration, we're, we're really in in the beginnings of a debate here on how the city should should make up the revenue that it has to get somehow, or, or find the money that it has to get somehow to pay those obligations that that we've already incurred for paying those firefighters in, in Station 20 and elsewhere around the city to operate at and, and paying police to patrol our roads and everything else. First, where do you stand on the referendum proposal? And second, if if uh, if, if you don't agree with that, uh, where would you point to uh, alternately for the city to get the funds to cover the cost of those pensions? I'm going to start with Ryan this time. Uh, I'm I'm against raising our taxes um, and the fee that we get. Uh, I believe it, it infuriates a lot of people, uh, and the fee only serves as a reminder in the mail of how ang angry it makes them whenever they get an additional fee. Um, and you can call it a fee. Everyone, I think, pretty much understands it's it's a tax. Um, and so I, I'm against higher taxes and fees. I, we have some of the highest taxes and fees in the nation here. Um, to solve our pension issues, ultimately, we're gonna have to work with Springfield. Um, that is the best solution. I think we need to continue to look at creative ways of what we can do here locally, but I believe those to be minimal when compared to the other, um, you know, the really a big solution uh, of relief or, you know, to rework that problem that we can get from working with our legislators in Springfield. Right. But, but that takes lots of time to get through. And so I, I want to know how you're going to cover that cost next year. The, the state is, the, the state of Illinois is not going to wave a legislative wand in the next year and, and resolve that problem. It, it, it took years of uphill pushing to get the solution that we had two years ago out of the legislature to combine all the downstate police pension systems and all the downstate fire systems. So 
what couch cushion do you look under in the city budget next year to pay those costs if if you oppose the the referendum which is perfectly valid to oppose it but you still gotta still gotta pay the bill somehow so where do we get the money right great question i don't have a specific answer um i look forward to working with city staff people in different departments to figure out where we can be more efficient uh, with the money that is coming in um, but we need our core city services. We have cut a lot over the last decade. Um, and I, I don't believe we're going to cut our way to a balanced budget or a profit. Ultimately, we're going to have to increase our tax base and recruit residents and businesses to Peoria. All right. Dennis, uh, I want to hear your answer both on the, the question of where you stand on the advisory referendum and then uh, if, if you oppose that, where you would make up the, the funds. Uh, you're breaking up again, but I'm, I think I've, I've got the gist of the questions. Uh, basically, I, I vote against the, the fee, the pension fee. That's number one. Uh, number two, we all know that our elected official in Springfield are the one that can make a difference with the pension. And it's like owning a house with a mortgage for 15 years and you cannot afford to make the payment anymore. You got to move to a 30 year mortgage. So that's what we need to do right now. The goal is to, for, for our pensions to be 90 percent funded by 2040. Well, they just need to change that. Maybe to you know, push that down further down the road to 2050 or 60. I mean, that that would help tremendously. Uh, the other the thing, the item they were talking about is really uh, the uh, the uh, raise, the three percent raise, whether it's compounded or simple increase, would make a, a big difference, or not even any raises for for a while. But the way it is right now, it's just unfunded uh, mandate from Springfield. And right now, you know, next year it's going to be eight eight million dollars that we're going to owe. And then uh, 20 years from now, by 2040, our bill is going to be $200 million for the pension. And this year's budget is $204 million. So it's just unsustainable. There's no way any city in the state of Illinois will be able to afford paying those pensions. Now, the last time that the pension uh, was uh, in, in good health was 1993, when it was 90% funded. So we have 27 years, uh, almost almost 28 years now of, of really making, it's like a credit card. Now we've been paying the minimum on a credit card and never paid the balance. It's exactly what's happening with our pension right now. I and mean, it, it's just, just out of this world I and mean, nobody can afford that. Um, so uh, we need to put pressure on elected officials from Springfield and, and to do their job and really come and, and, and rescue us. Because right now, one of the things that most people don't understand, if you've seen the dollar bill, I mean, if for every dollar of property taxes that we all pay, you now 55% goes to the uh, school district, eight or nine cents to library, eight or nine cents to the county, eight or nine cents to the park district. And at the end of the dollar, we have 12 cents that goes to the coffer of the city of Peoria. Of that 12 cents right now, about 80% of that money goes to the pension. So within the next five or six years, five or six years, we're all gonna be broke. And it's just unsustainable. Uh, and and I, I am a, a proven uh, leader in the last four years I've been there. I mean, I've not raised property taxes and I'm against uh, raising property taxes. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me ask you this though, because you and I have sat through three legislative breakfasts between when you were elected and when COVID hit. And each of those three years, we have stood up and we have asked our legislators in that breakfast to do exactly what you say and extend out the ramp for becoming 90% funded and it hasn't happened. We have put pressure on the legislators in Springfield to do that and that pressure has failed in getting them to do that. What can we do differently to get them to do that than, than we have before? Because otherwise you've got to find another way to come up with $8 million for me to pay those pensions. Is that for me? That's for you, yeah. Well, you know, you're correct. I mean, there, there, if, if Springfield, if our elected officials in Springfield are not willing to tackle this problem, I mean, we're just out of luck. There's nothing uh, that us as, as uh, elected official in Peoria, it's totally out of our hand. There's absolutely nothing we can do as far as the pension is concerned. Now, the other way is going to be to try to, uh, I, uh, the last four years I've talked about trying to grow the pie. We need to increase the pie. How we do that? Well, we need by increasing businesses in Peoria, uh, not by increasing uh, increasing taxes or fees, but we need to increase 
uh, a number of businesses that are coming, first of all, that are staying in Peoria and growing their business. And then after that, uh, businesses that are hopefully will come to Peoria. So we just need to keep putting the pressure on Springfield. And as far as Peoria is concerned, we just need to, to come up with ideas to grow the pie. All right. I'm going to toss it over to Mark. I think you had a question. Yeah, going back to the pensions, it was a conversation, a previous conversation I had um, about different ideas with the pension, even just moving forward. Obviously, we have to wait, or not necessarily wait, but uh, what we're looking to get from uh, Springfield and put pressure on Springfield to do, it's up to Springfield. So we can only work with what we have um, here in Peoria. And an idea was brought up as far as readjusting pensions as a benefit to uh, firefighters in place that live in the city of Peoria. Is there any thought uh, as far as like readjusting who gets that benefit of a pension to to kind of ease that pressure going forward? Uh, e either one, either one really. I have well, I can tell you, in, uh, I can tell you in uh, the pensions were started in the 50s, I think, and, and uh, the reason pensions were, were started is because Nobody wanted to be or they were having a problem, you no know, hiring police and, and firefighters. And so they have to come up with a good uh, uh, package. Oh, Councilman. Uh-oh. He's out. Uh, I'll answer, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> shoot, shoot. Um, I, I haven't been a part of any of those conversations, so I, you know, I haven't heard that idea specifically. Um, you know, but we need to be very careful whenever, you know, we're talking about what's been promised to people. And if someone's not a part of the social security benefit, um, because it's been replaced by a pension, um, you know, those are obviously very complicated issues. Sorry, Dennis, you cut out there for a second. Yeah, you can finish councilman. Okay. So what I was saying is, is so, so basically promises were made to our, our firefighters and to our, uh, our police officers. And we we have to keep those those promises, you know. And especially in today's world, I mean, these guys now have put in, you know, 25, 30, 35 years, and and uh, you no, know, we have to, to pay. We have to fulfill our promises to, to all the, the the workers that all the police officers and all the firemen. So we can't cut uh, uh, the pension. Uh, what what we need to do is is uh, really uh, um, change the the schedule. So we can go instead of 2040, let's go to 2050, 2060. We need to pay more than the minimum to these uh, to the pension, and, and we need some help from from Springfield. Uh, you know, people call me all the time and uh, from from the corporate world, and I say, Dennis, why do you guys just abolish the pension and go to four one? Okay, well, number one, it's not our decision. Okay, that would come from Springfield. Number two. Uh, this is my business. The 401k business is my business. I've been financial advisor for 25 years. I can tell you that most people with 401k, they have to save until they're 60 or 65. I mean, I don't want a police officer to have to chase bad guys when they're 65. And same thing with the firefighters. I mean, they deserve better than that. And we told them to, to give us a, a good 25, 30 years and we'd give them a pension. I, and we have to live up to those promises. I mean, I, I feel pretty strong about that. And I wasn't, and thank you for the answer. And I'm not necessarily talking about the people that are already 15, 20, 25 years in deep. Uh, a conversation has been sparked within the last year or two about making it so that the people that earn money from the city live in the city. So it's really about people that are hired, you know, 2021 and on readjusting the pension to where it would be manageable for the city going forward for the new people that came in. Is that something that would, that you would be open to having a discussion about? Or do you think that's off the table? Well, I, I think it's, it's uh, number one, the new contract. We have a tier one and a tier two. In the tier two, I believe the first 10 years, the new candidate have to live in the city of Peoria for the first 10 years. After that, they can go where they want. So we're making progress. Again, all these things, I've never sat at a table with, uh, with labor and negotiate contracts. I have no experience with that, but I can tell you uh, that they, they have negotiated those, those, uh, those rights, and uh, now we have to, to, to live up to them. So when we talk about pensions and just money in the city in general, I, I mean, to be honest, it, the more we talk about it, it gets kind of scary when you think about the, 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 the bills that aren't going to stop. And we, if we were an individual household and the one job isn't doing it, we got to look at going second shift. We got to look at figuring out other ways to bring money in. And one of the things that is the most disturbing, I think, for a lot of people here 
is that businesses and people are leaving at a rapid rate. Uh, I, I talked about it last week. Every time I get on Facebook, it seems like somebody else moved to Texas. Um, you can find a Peoria population in Texas, like you really can. But what can we do from a city standpoint and what can we do at City Hall to, like you mentioned, Councilman, we got we to gotta grow the, the dollar pot. And that comes from more people paying more taxes, businesses paying taxes, but we got to bring people here. How, how do we get people to come to Pure in this sort of mess that we're sitting in currently? How do we lure families and, and businesses here? Uh, did you say how we get them to come to Peoria? Yes. Well, uh, uh, to me, it's very simple. What the first thing we need to do, to do is to grow internally, okay, within. We need to grow within. We need to get out of the way. Uh, the last four years, I've been part of a program of this, the, uh, the city of Peoria. We cut or eliminated about 300 pages of regulation from our code. And we, we lowered fees, we eliminated a lot of fees. So a lot of work has been done the last four years, 300 pages of that. And then and we still have 300 pages too many. So what we need to do is get our house in order first. We need to grow within. We need to get out of the way, let businesses have a chance to grow, make some money. We need to work with our older neighborhood and have them reinvest in their houses so we can grow uh, the tax base also. So there's a lot of things we can do in Peoria first to take care of our own home and then when everybody's happy and we're in solid ground again, hopefully after COVID-19 is taken care of, uh, maybe we can grow uh, the pie and grow, uh, have uh, more businesses, be uh, new businesses open up in Peoria, uh, people within the city of Peoria. And then when people see that outside, the, outside Peoria, then and hopefully outside the state, then they'll start coming in. So I think we need to get our house in order first, get out of the way from, from small businesses, let them make a, a living, and hopefully down the road after COVID-19 is behind us uh, and our economy and you know, we reopen the economy in Peoria and the state and the country, and maybe we can increase our revenues and then uh, and uh, uh, go after new business from outside Peoria and outside the state of Illinois. How do we go after new business though? How do we sell Peoria? Um, I, and I can't remember which interview it was with Chris and I, but they said, you know, Illinois is just in bad shape. Uh, Peoria is not the entire state of Illinois. We can't fix Illinois, blah, blah. But the thing is, we see cities like DeKalb getting an $800 million data center from Facebook. We see uh, we see suburbs of Chicago or even south south of Chicago, like south of, you know, Joliet area where Amazon is setting up shop. I think they brought four to five uh, manufacturing centers or some uh, shipping shipping areas, something, something along those lines. So people are still coming to Illinois. So how do we get people to come to Peoria so we can get in on that action? Even, I think Rockford even got, uh, they, I, I can't recall what they got, but Rockford got something recently. <laughs> okay. What can we do in Peoria to get in on that action? Yeah, I'll take a stab at that. Um, so a couple things, one, talk to our existing businesses that we have here um, and residents and figure out, you know, why are you here? What's good about this location? And what do you need more from our city? Do you, do you need better resources, infrastructure, um, what that is? So we need to talk to the people who are here first. Those people will talk to other people. Um, businesses will talk to others in their industry and say, hey, there's a great culture, climate, atmosphere in Peoria. Um, it'd be great if we had somebody else in our distribution line, manufacturing line, whatever the, the industry is, um, businesses talk to one another. And so when things are going good here and they're headed in the right direction, businesses will recruit other businesses. I've had some really positive conversations. It's really encouraging um, across like the, the Visitors Bureau, the EDC, the DDC, uh, all of the acronyms that we have here in Peoria um, of people coming together to create what is Peoria? How do we market ourselves as a city? And to get all of those people rowing in the same direction, right? Because one of them's focused on tourism and visitors. One of them's focused on recruiting business here. Somebody else is, re you know, focused on redeveloping what's already here. And so get those people talking. Uh, and then uh, as far as residents, we've had, I've talked to several people who have moved back here from the Chicago area, a couple from the West Coast. Um, one of the positive changes that we've seen since COVID is that people are able to work from home. And so instead of, 
you know, a house that costs a million dollars outside of San Francisco that's 500 square foot, that goes a really long way in Peoria. And it's a, people have found it's a better place to raise their family, a better quality of life, despite the taxes and the hurdles that we have from our state. And so we need to do a better job of getting that message out and, and you know, recruiting people to Peoria. Both of you guys are businessmen. What businesses would you like to see come to Peoria? And what do you think we're primed for when it comes to uh, recruiting businesses to come to the River City? I'll take a stab at that one. I'll say number one, as I said earlier, we need to take care of people that are in Peoria first. They are our largest employers. We got Caterpillar. Caterpillar has 12 to 13,000 employees right here. We need to make sure that we talk with Caterpillar and have a, a, a workforce that is ready to replace the people that are leaving or retiring from Caterpillar. So it's very important that we keep those 12 or 13,000 jobs, good paying jobs right here in Peoria. That's number one. Number two, we need to embrace uh, our, our uh, hospital and what they're, what they're doing. I mean, if you look at the you know, success the last few years, Jump Simulation Center is a great success. Bump Box is a good success. So what we need to do is really, for me, is we need to embrace the medical field and look at what OSF is doing with a brand new building downtown. They're investing over $100 million in that building. They got a, a new cancer center that they're working on that's going to be double, two or $300 million. So we have a lot of positive things happening in Peoria, but the time I've been here over the last 30 years or so, I mean, we're just not very good at promoting what we have good going here in Peoria. I can tell you a story, Mark, that maybe you'll appreciate. You know, we're both uh, at Warrior up north. About three years ago, I had a, a chance to speak uh, uh, at, the, uh, at, the, at one of the meetings, and I said, we're talking about the four-way test, and I told the audience at the time, I said, listen, I said, you guys need to promote Peoria. I want everybody to send me an email with four reasons, okay, four reasons why you live and, and why you like Peoria. And I did the same thing with the Rotary downtown. And guess what? I got over 80 emails uh, from people and gave me about 20 different reasons why people love Peoria and why they live in Peoria. I can tell you the top five right here, basically our strength in Peoria is the people of Peoria. People love the Peoria, uh, the, uh, the fact that we have a small, smaller town and people are very friendly. Number two is we have a lot of cultural activities. You know, but the arts is very big here in Peoria. Arts, music, and, and, and excuse me, theater is, is really big. Number three was easy commute. You no, know, I mean, everything is close in Peoria compared to going to you know, Chicago or St. Louis or a big city like Indy. And uh, the fifth one was the amenities we have here uh, that, uh, that they have in large cities like uh, uh, the Civic Center, and I said the theater, and, and uh, the Ag Lab, and I mean, we got the Peoria Zoo and, and the uh, Riverfront Museum. I mean, we got a lot of great things right here in Peoria. We just need to promote ourselves better. Last uh, Thursday, I was a meeting at Rotary where the guest speaker was Joshua Gunn. Joshua is the new uh, president of the Chamber of Commerce. I'm telling you, if you want to get excited about Peoria, there's a guy that it, it's, it's not a, 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 it's a new uh, uh new uh, uh, resident of Peoria and coming from Carolina. And that guy was so excited about the possibilities of, in, in Peoria. And we need more people like that. You got to listen to his uh, presentation and he did an outstanding job. I'll add, I'll add to that. Um, first of all, 100% echo what Dennis said about Joshua Gunn. Very impressive young man. And it's exciting to get somebody to move to Peoria, which is similar uh, to what uh, a lot of us have done. Uh, and sometimes it takes an outsider to see, kind of take a fresh look of what's what's going great here. Um, but two things under the radar that, that are exciting for me. Uh, one, if you haven't looked up Peoria Biomade, uh, it's the beginning of a coalition to recruit and develop uh, like a bioengineering manufacturing facility here in Peoria. And so taking advantage of the great medical resources that we have, obviously our hospitals, we've got the Ag Lab, we've got schools of medicine, Bradley University with a great, a uh, couple of great different uh, programs there, uh, working together to bring, you know, for-profit business to the area that can um, reflect off of one another and supply uh, workers. We Hopefully we can keep people as they graduate, whether it's high school from ICC, from Bradley or wherever, 
uh, we can keep talent here. And so creating more jobs. And the second thing, which is in the fifth district, is our is the sports entertainment uh, industry. Louisville Slugger Complex that we have in the fifth district brings people from all over the Midwest. Uh, I mentioned I grew up south of Decatur. Uh, this is about two hours away. One of the guys is I was a friend, we grew up together, um, lives in Springfield now. He's a softball coach. And so from Springfield, their home turf is Peoria, the Louisville Slugger Complex. And so um, a lot of people don't know that, but when we were, a lot of things were shut down. They had the outdoor fields. They were able to get a lot of, you know, attract people to Peoria that helped the restaurants, that helped the hotels, that helped our shopping centers. Um, and so that has been an amazing spotlight for Peoria and that needs to be advertised a little bit better. And uh, last question before I kick it over to uh, Chris. And by the way, of course, again, if you're watching, we see some comments in the uh, in the comment box, questions and comments in the comment box. Keep them coming. We're going to get to them momentarily. Um, um, some of the some of these questions I have there are, are derived from conversations I've had previously. I frequent uh, Bloomington a lot. Uh, I see the the restaurant business there is 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 pretty sound. Um, you, you still can't eat nowhere after nine o'clock, but I guess that's just the Illinois thing. And then even in East Peoria, you see they have uh, what seems to be a bubbling, not overall economy, but you see some things happening over there. Is there any thought to maybe having conversations with them or, or councilmen? Maybe you've had some conversations with city leaders, city leaders over in East Peoria as far as what they're doing and what we can actually put into place here in Peoria? Well, East Peoria has done better lately, but that means we're talking about restaurants, right? Uh, so uh, to me, uh, when I talk to developers, no, we need to promote uh, the whole region. I mean, it's a lot easier to promote a region with 350,000 people than, than a city with, with 110 or no, whatever the number is going to be after the, the, the latest uh, census. But no, I, I think uh, uh, East Peoria is it's not do, doing okay for itself. But again, no, you have to look at what we have accomplished right here in Peoria. I mean, some of the example, bump the bump uh, bump boxes uh, business, one of the the, the, the most successful business, uh, really growing really fast in Peoria, and they're, they're located in the fifth district. I mean, we got a lot of positive stories about Peoria and the fifth district, and and we need to concentrate on those and, and really be be a good promoter and what we have right here instead of promoting. Now, I'm I'm happy for East Peoria, but we need to promote all the great things that are happening right now in the city of Peoria. Okay, Chris. Okay, Ryan, I don't know if you want to touch on any of that too before we roll on. Go ahead. All right. Uh, in in that case, uh, I, I've got uh, two questions that I want to want to ask to both of you, and then uh, then we'll jump on over to questions that that folks put in on on Facebook. Um, I, I guess to me, one of the the issues that that fifth district residents. Uh, probably wonder about a lot is their their life their their experience in the city is probably a little different than the experience for a, a resident in parts of the first second or third district that that have different problems that they face different experiences different use of city resources to address some of those things uh, and there, there's probably some uh, fifth district residents who feel that that their tax dollars are being used to, to help address some of those problems elsewhere in the city, whether it's infrastructure being done in the first district to address the combined sewer overflow problem, whether whether it's uh, rebuilding sidewalks in the first district that haven't been repaired in 50 plus years, whether it's uh, police patrols that are are more in districts one, two, and three than there are in, in four and five. Uh, what do you say to those residents, first of all, about uh, about how that money is allocated around the city? And second, what do you say to those residents about what they can do to try to improve conditions elsewhere in the city to make the city as a whole better, rather than, than being an island to themselves in the fifth district. 
Well, that's a great question. We are correct. We are not an island. I mean, the fifth district is the largest district in the city. We are the engine really behind the city as far as the economics and, and, and revenues and all that. And we are the most uh, diverse uh, uh, district in the city. All you have to do is look at Dunlap School District example. Okay. And the last report I saw, and that was just like three years ago, was state, state of the Dunlap School District. We had right now, or at the time three years ago, we had 52 different languages spoken in, in, the, in the houses in the fifth district and people from 72 different countries. So you just have to look at the diversity that we have with Dunlap School District to know that we are very, very diverse in the fifth district. People are well educated, educated they're, they're, they're pretty tolerant and they know, most people know that we're part of the team. Okay, and the fifth district is as strong as the weakest uh, link in the city. So we need to make all district uh, uh, strong and this, that way the city of Peoria would be stronger. And uh, no, it, it's a fight uh, for the guy who's in the chair like I am right now to fight for dollars for the fifth district all the time. And that's very important because as I said earlier when we started, roads, roads and roads are the most, one of the top priorities for the fifth district. And look at what I've done the last four years. I mean, the worst intersection we had in the fifth district was was the intersection of Willow Nose and Allen Road. And because the alliances I built with the county and the township, I was able to rebuild that, uh, that intersection three years before it was supposed to be rebuilt. And again, because I, I, I worked with, like I said, the county and the township, and we were able to do that. So I think people, people in the fifth district, uh, nobody's happy about high taxes, but I think they understand that for the whole city, for the fifth district to be strong, the whole city needs to be strong too. Ryan? Uh, to add to that, the fifth district has a lot of homeowner associations. Um, and so to get to kind of the second part of your question is what, you know, what can people in the district do to help out? Um, a lot of that stems from the homeowner associations and the neighborhoods that are throughout the fifth. Um, because it is so uh, large geographically, um, you know, Lynnhurst subdivision looks a lot different from Trails Edge. Uh, so depending on when that subdivision was developed, roads, um, sidewalks, uh, I know off of Detweiler, that community would love to have uh, either a recreation lane or sidewalks put in there as people go up and down Detweiler to get to the park, sledding in the winter, uh, doing different things in the summer. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely different. The, the needs and uh, priorities of the fifth district are going to be different from other districts in the city, but we're all on the same team. Uh, we all contribute. And when someone moves, you know, if they move from the third to the fifth district, they know that, you know, the neighborhoods are going to be a little bit different, um, but everyone contributes. So, you know, I think that's, pretty well understood uh, that everyone's tax dollars go into the city services. Uh, but as long as people are getting their core city services, then, you know, that's, I think ultimately this is what they want. All right. I'm going to jump over after just that one question, because we're running a little low on time to one of the, the early questions that popped in on Facebook uh, that, that Christian asked uh, as to what you can do to increase public safety for the fifth district as well as fixing the roads out there. And I'm gonna ask both of you to be specific in answering this as to what your top road priority is to try to get a, a road or an intersection addressed. Uh, Dennis, start with you and then go to Ryan. Well, I think it's very important. If I understand the question, it's breaking up again a little bit here. Uh, the top, you say the top road, is that what you asked? Uh, I think uh, uh, right now for me, uh, they're all important, but Pioneer Parkway is the, the, the one that is the worst in the condition right now. So uh, through my work with IDOT and with uh, the people from Springfield, you know, we made the list. Uh, uh, the uh, Springfield, our elected official, they have a, a wish list that I'm sure you all seen. It was a six year uh, wish list. And uh, we got $3 million uh, on that list right now to start next summer to repair uh, Pioneer Park, which is great, but what we need really is $23 million, and I'm hoping the next few years, as we get out of this COVID-19 and hopefully increase revenues and our, uh, our uh, state is in a little bit better shape, 
I'm hoping that we'll get the rest of that money, which is about $20 million, to fix uh, Pioneer Parkway. And that would be a, a great victory, I think, for, uh, for us here uh, in the 5th District. Okay, and, and the first part of Christian's question on what you would do to increase public safety as well. Well, as I said uh, earlier, I mean, uh, no, our, our fire station is still open, which is great. I hope to stay open forever. And the second thing, now we've got a new home. Uh, MT has a new home in the 5th District, and, and that will increase uh, public safety in the 5th District. Okay, Ryan, same to you. Uh, regarding the public safety, um, I, I want to take a fresh look at the resources that our um, our public safety folks have, fire, police, uh, AMT, uh, and make sure that, you know, specifically for our district, that we they have all of the tools they need to keep our residents safe. So I think it's been a while since we've evaluated those services, uh, what the needs are for the district. And so that's what I want to do to help increase safety there. Uh, I agree with Dennis. I also work off of Pioneer Parkway. So that to me is a main, uh, it's a main vein through the fifth district uh, for a lot of business and to get, you know, from Knoxville to Allen um, traveling throughout the district. That That is a, a bad one. And then Orange Prairie uh, needs a lot of work also, uh, especially when you, you know, from the south, it's really rough. And then you cross over War Memorial and you've got, you know, a brand new road. Um, so just, I mean, just traveling those two all in the same, uh, it, I think it just highlights how how rough Orange Prairie is whenever you get across and go north and it's super smooth. Um, so it's just, a you know, another reminder of, of how the lack of attention that has uh, been given to South Orange Prairie. I, I can tell you from personal experience trying to trying to make it to a movie out at Grand Prairie when you're running a few minutes late driving along that road from from the fourth district farther down. Uh, <laughs> it, it's a challenge. Right now, parking hit you too, man. Don't hey, yeah. I almost had to get out. I almost got through from the car. Uh, um, I, I think we got to run out of the lightning round now, unless we got one more question. I do. I do uh, want to allow uh, one or two more to come through, but real quick, what we didn't do was uh, pay the bills. And audience questions are brought to you by Rhonda Guiding Travel. Dot com only they give you domestic and international travel with a uh with a personal touch <laughs> leave all playing in the rgt that's ronda guiding travel.com ronda guiding travel.com my apologies that we started off uh without it but um to to allow uh a couple more to get through um nia says did the council recently vote to take funds from the water runoff account to fund other projects I guess that would go to Councilman, um, but Ryan, if you have anything to say on that as well. I'm not sure, uh, I'm not 100% sure where the question comes from, but uh, if they're talking about uh, the $15,000 for a project uh, that, the, that the city manager moves some money, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's debatable. Uh, if, if they were talking about that, I think it was $15,000. The city manager decided that they, uh, because of the water, uh, utility uh, definition of what we can use the money for. I'm sure you, you thought that was appropriate to, to move $15,000 to that project. Uh, I think that's what your listener is talking about. Okay. Um, and, and last question before we get to the uh, lightning round for both of you guys, and you just brought them up, Councilman, and I've been asking everybody this. We interviewed Pat Urick, uh uh, last month, and he says that he'd like to stay on. Payurik is the sole employee of the city council. Obviously, you guys don't hand select them, but going forward, we're getting a new administration regardless. Would you guys like to see uh, Payurik stay on or no? Well, uh, since I'm already on a job and I'm privy to uh, meetings that, uh, uh, you know, some meetings that we cannot talk about. I mean, the evaluation for Patrick Urich last uh, year was, was very good. Uh, it was very, very difficult time with COVID-19. And I think everybody around the horseshoe thought that uh, he did a great job so far. And uh, you know, he's a very smart uh, individual. Uh, it's like everybody else. And you, know, you don't get 100% approval all the time. But I, I know that he's very smart. He, uh, he knows the city. He knows uh, what needs to be done. And... Uh, this was a very, very difficult year this year with COVID-19. I think Patrick did did a very good job for us. 
uh, I've obviously not had a chance to work with Patrick. Um, he seems very sharp, and I would love to hear what he has learned, uh, especially in this past year, and hear his ideas moving forward for sure. Okay, that takes us to the lightning round. Yes, it does. Let me get my let me get my stuff up. Hold on, stopwatch. Okay, this is different, man. We, Chris, we've never done two people at the same time with the lightning round, so I'm going to go ahead and go two minutes. Usually it's a minute 30 for one, but we're going to go two minutes for two because we're going to alternate and see how this works. As Chris mentioned ahead of time, uh, it's either ors or rapid answer as far as favorite this or just first thing that comes to mind with that. Um, and you guys got two minutes. We're going to go. We're going to alternate. And I'm going to start with Ryan and then go over to Councilman because it's uh, it's Councilman specific, given his background. And, of course, the lightning round is sponsored by McCall Law Offices, PC, and Halliday McCall, located at 1225 North North Street, where they focus on personal injury, accidents, family law, and criminal defense. Call for a consultation at 309 377 H E L P. That's 309-377. Help for free consultation to put their attorneys in your corner. Make sure my buzzer's on. All the way up. Okay. Are you guys ready? Ready. Hi, I'm starting with you. Boom. Okay. You're a businessman. Favorite business mogul? Ooh. Mark Cuban. <laughs> um, Councilman, Gordy Howe or Wayne Gretzky? Wow. Good one. Wayne Gretzky. Uh, Ryan, uh, dream car. Oh, uh, Ferrari. Uh, Councilman, three words that describe Peoria. Very friendly city. Is that more than three words? <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, uh, Ryan gra greatest athlete of all time. Oh, LeBron. Councilman, musical artist that you listen to the most. Um. I can't think of anyone. Elvis Presley. <laughs> Am I showing my age? <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, Ryan, uh, favorite team in sports? Cardinals. I'm going to throw that to you too, Councilman. Favorite team in sports? Uh, I'm going to say the Cubs. Um, Ryan, <laughs> Ryan, apples or oranges? Apples. Um, Councilman, Apple or Android? Uh, Apple. Ryan, what phone? What app takes up the most uh, time of your day? What app on your phone? Oh, email, easy. Councilman, East Coast or West Coast? East Coast. Ryan, favorite movie? John Blake. You Glad said Child's Play? Did you say Child's Play? I said I'm drawing a blank. Oh, I thought you said <laughs> Whoa, whoa. Okay. Um, Councilman, what thing or activity do you spend entirely too much money on? Too much money on? Um, man, I don't spend enough money right now. I'm out of shape, so I need to spend more money on, on some activities. Uh, okay. Uh, now, I got to ask both of you uh, these last couple questions. Uh, oops, oops, oops. Uh, Councilman, uh, Batman or Superman? Superman. Ryan, favorite beer? Bourbon County. Councilman, favorite favorite uh, best place for food in Peoria? Well, there's a lot of good places. I'll say Delariat. Delariat, okay. And um, Ryan, what radio station do you listen to? 90.7. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and, and final question for both of you guys. That I always ask for everybody, who do you guys endorse for mayor? Or count or yeah, not council, just mayor. Mayor endorsement. I'm gonna have to sit down with them and I'm, I'm a Republican, so I'm gonna but I'm, I wanna sit down with both of them and see what the platform uh, will be for the next four years. And Ryan? I'm focused on my race. Hey, expected but understandable answers. I appreciate it. Anything else that you guys want to leave with the people that are watching right now? Uh we'll start with Councilman. Well, I mean, uh, I've made a lot of promises four years ago, and I kept all my promises, and I've been fiscally responsible. I did not raise property taxes, and uh, and my communication with my district has been uh, been very, very good with 
all the, the different programs I have in place from, from coffee with your councilman to, to return all phone calls, texts and messages. And uh, I'm, I'd love, I'm, I'm a public servant. I loved my first four years and I'd love to have a second term so I can, I can uh, uh, still serve the, the, uh, my friends and neighbors from the fifth district and also the city of Peoria. Ryan. We need a reliable candidate that's willing to listen to the needs of the district, communicate in efficient modern methods, and be a unifier across our city and the area. And that's me. Chris, you got anything left before we close this out? Yep, gentlemen, thank you both. Everybody remember to get out there and vote April 6th. And if you're not voting in person, get your mail-in ballot or start voting early on March 12th. Thank you guys for watching. This has been The State of Peoria brought to you by State Farm Agent Aaron Kilgore located at 3805 North Sterling Avenue where he specializes in car, home, and life insurance and investments. He's the best in the business and you can make him work for you by calling 309-685-7111. Gentlemen, we appreciate you guys uh, for joining us tonight. Thank you for having us. Thank you guys. Thank you.